Thank you so much. It's great to be back. It's great to be back home from open heart surgery. It really, really is. Thank you. Please be seated. Yeah, I was shocked when someone looked at me and said, you're a heart patient. I'm thinking like, you've got to be talking to the wrong person. A heart patient? I've eaten clean and worked out, run some marathons and stuff, and you're calling me a heart patient? Then I thought, yeah, that's true. I am a heart patient. In fact, about 11 or 12 weeks ago, I had open heart surgery, five hours long. I'm a heart patient. So if the truth were really known, all of us are heart patients. We really are. So I want us to say that together. I think it'll be a real good time of confession. <laughs> Whether you're here in the balcony in our family worship center, at one of our many different environments. You might be in Northport, Miami. You could be in South Lake, Fort Worth, Dallas, Alasso. On the count of three, let's say I'm a heart patient. You might think to yourself, no, I'm not, but we're gonna find out that you are. One, two, three, I'm a heart patient. I'm a heart patient. You might be thinking, well, why all of the heart stuff? Why mega heart? Why this heart? Is this heart cool or what? That heart's amazing, amazing. Why the heart? Well, I had open heart surgery, as I mentioned, and open heart surgery is nothing just to gloss over. It's the real thing. I was born with a valve issue, specifically mitral valve prolapse. And the doctors told me, because I have a heart murmur, you know, it's doubtful that you'll ever have to have surgery, but they encouraged me to see a cardiologist regularly to have tests, and several months ago, I went to my cardiologist, did the typical test. I was expecting, hey, you're great, you're awesome, etc. I'm standing in our kitchen next to Lisa, the phone rings, I look down and I see it's my cardiologist, and I thought, whoa. I said, Lisa, this can't be good news. They called and said, your valve is messed up, you need to line up a surgeon, you need heart surgery very, very soon. Your valve isn't functioning properly. You have severe regurgitation, which means backwash of blood in a heart. And my heart was not pumping all the blood out because the blood was seeping into my lungs and other areas. I was not doing well. What was weird about it was I was pretty much asymptomatic Worked out regularly at a trendy gym <laughs> with a trainer. You know, really watched the diet and everything. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, what? Open heart surgery? And they explained to me they would probably have to crack the chest open and, and, and do all of this. And they were talking about how complex the surgery is. And I found out that mitral valve prolapse heart surgery is more complex than you know, a typical heart surgery, a typical bypass surgery. It's very, very intricate. So I'm thinking to myself, who in the world can I talk to? So I'm thinking, okay, my cardiologist says that I have to have surgery and 
they start talking about different tests. So I call a friend of mine in Houston who's another cardiologist, and I, I said, Manny, um, I want to send you my tests. What do you think? So he looked at my tests and he said, dude, you need heart surgery fast. You've got severe regurgitation. I mean, your heart could have irreversible damage, and if you don't get it taken care of, you could die. He said, you know, there's only two people in the world I would let touch my heart, specifically the mitral valve. This is what Manny told me. He said, one guy is in Europe. He said, the other guy works in my group. He's the renowned surgeon, Dr. Jill Laurie from Australia. And I Googled him, and sure enough, he is one of the top two or three in the world. Sometimes we throw that out, best in the world. That restaurant's the best in the world. He's the best in the world. She's the best in the world. This guy literally is the top two or three in the world. So Manny, my friend who's a cardiologist, got me in to see him. Lisa and I drove down to Houston. We're meeting with him, and we're, we're, we're listening to him explain about mitral valve prolapse surgery. So then I do more and more tests. I do the heart catheterization test, I, the stress test, the, the, the cardiac MRI, and on and on and on. And sure enough, after every test, whoa, I didn't know it, I didn't feel it. But everyone said, all the technicians, and especially the master surgeon, Dr. Laurie, you need open heart surgery. Wow. And then he started explaining to me about open heart surgery. They stopped the heart. A little scary. And, and, and the hours and hours it takes, how intricate the valves are, and I'm like, whoa. So I made the decision, because I'm smart, but not that smart, to submit myself to his expertise. After all, he is an incredible heart surgeon. So I said, okay, Dr. Laurie, I mean, you're the man, I'm not. And several weeks later, drove down to Houston again, woke up, and next week we have a short film of this because we documented this. I think, I think you'll find it humorous and also sobering. So Lisa and I stayed in a hotel that's actually connected to the hospital. So we got up, literally walked to the pre-op. They got me ready for surgery, put me on the gurney, wheeled me in to the operating room. And they asked me, they said, do you want us to lift you onto the operating table? Or do you want to just walk over there and get on the table yourself. I said, man, I'm gonna get on the table myself. So I got up and I'm just looking around the operating room. You know, it's kind of embarrassing because you don't have very much on and you're looking around and some, whoa. So those are the machines and everything. So I just remember just putting myself on the operating table for this intricate surgery. But I felt confident because after all, Dr. Gerald Laurie, I mean, he's the man. He's operated on, I found out, emperors and kings and queens and celebrities. He just operated on Barbara Bush. So I'm thinking, man, I, I'm in good hands. So, so the surgery starts and 
It was a raving success, and he told me that, and this scares Lisa, but he told me that I'll have more energy than ever before. He also told me that the only really symptoms he saw in me before surgery was cardiac asthma. I'd never heard of that. If you look back, if you go online, look back at some of my messages over the last year, you could tell my voice was really hoarse. It's cardiac asthma. All the blood was seeping into the lungs and everything else, and I was not doing well. Although, again, I was asymptomatic. So I challenge you, if you don't feel well, if you're hoarse for some unknown reason, if you have a short breath or have a little pain or whatever, I don't want you to be paranoid, but go to the doctor. I have a friend of mine who's scared of the doctor. This guy's a big old guy, middle-aged. He's a frat daddy. You know what I mean? You know, the frat guys. I was not in the fraternity. I'm not hating on people in fraternities, but he like says bro all the time, bro. He's a bro. I go, man, why don't you like to go to the doctor? He goes, well, bro, uh, I don't know. They can only give you bad news, bro. Now, granted, this guy's a lawyer. Don't hold that against him. But I said, no, they can't always give you bad news. They have to give you bad news many times so you can hear the good news. But he is literally afraid of the doctor. Don't be afraid of the doctor. Submit yourself to the doctor if you have some sort of physical issue. I'm a big, uh, you know, what if guy. I like to use my imagination. I thought about this. What if we could install sonograms in all the seats? And I'm talking about physically. And, and what if people like this incredible surgeon, Dr. Laurie, could just walk through and go, oh, he's got mitral valve prolapse. You wouldn't know it, but he would go, you got it. Oh, wow. You have hardening of the arteries. You have some arrhythmia. You have this, you have that. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be freaky to be able to do that? Scary. Because again, I didn't even know I had an issue. I mean, I was just going through life. Didn't really have any symptoms. What if God did that? What if God installed a spiritual sonogram because we're all heart patients, whether we realize it or not. And what if he could see, oh, that person has hardening of the spiritual arteries. Oh, that, 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 that girl there, her heart used to beat fast for the things of God. Now it doesn't really beat fast for the things of God anymore. And oh yeah, that person, that, their, their heart is not even functioning properly. The flow is blocked. There's a valve issue. What, what if God could do that? Well, God can, and he does, whether we know it or not. God is omniscient. He sees everything. There's no such thing as something on the down low. There's no such thing as a closed office door, a bedroom door. God sees it all. And in our humanity, here's what's so humorous about, about us, about you and me. Let, me. let me say it this way. Don't you love all of the seats we have at Fellowship? We have literally thousands and thousands and thousands of seats here and at all of our different campuses. But at this campus here, specifically our broadcast campus, the seats were designed with you in mind. They're kind of wider than most seats. Did you realize that? 
You've got good egress and ingress. I love it. There are three people sitting in your seat. Ed, what? Has the anesthesia not worn off yet? And, and it does take like three months for the anesthesia to wear off. I can still tell, uh, you know, I say, you know, but anyway. Get three people in your seat. The first person is the person that you think you are. The second person is the person that others think you are. The third person is the person that God knows you are. God knows you and me better than we know ourselves. What do we say? Oh, you know, this, this is the, uh, the big mantra these days. Go with your heart. Your heart's not in it. That hurt my heart. I'm just going to follow my heart. My heart told me this. My heart told me that. And I understand that. We, we, we understand that. Here's what I would say, though. We don't really know our hearts. We don't. Yeah, we know a little bit about our hearts. We know our strengths and weaknesses, but we don't really know our hearts. We're a heart patient. What is the heart anyway? I'm not talking about right now the vital organ that pumps gallons of blood throughout your body and mind. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the seat of our self, our intellect, our morals, our spirituality, that spiritual mysterious part of your life and mine, our heart. We only have a heart because God has a heart. We have a heart. You have a heart. We need, I submit to you, heart surgery. And I submit to you that you need to submit, that I need to submit to heart surgery. So, so today, in this opening session, I want you to, to pray the heart patient's prayer. Did you know there's a heart patient's prayer in the Bible? It is. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. It's the heart patient's prayer. Let's read it together on the count of three. Are you ready? At all of our campuses, just screaming out, one, two, three, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. That is the heart patient's prayer. I'm gonna challenge you over the course of this series to put yourself on the operating table, God's operating table. Get off the gurney, walk up to the operating table, put yourself there, lay yourself bare before God because we're all going to find out stuff about our lives we never knew were there. What's driving that anger in your life? You know you deal with it. What's, what's, what's driving it? You're insecure. When you walk into a room, you're always worried about, what do people think about me? How do I look? How do, what, what is motivating that? You've got lust. Why? Why? God is going to pinpoint sin in your life. We don't like to talk about sin anymore. We say issues. We say 
problems. But let's talk about what God says sin. Sin means to miss the mark. Let's talk about wickedness. Let's talk about depravity because surgeons deal with issues. They deal with the real stuff. So does God. Now in this series, we're going to discover three things. Number one, the surgeon is the savior. The scalpel is the scripture, and the heart is the hope, the health, the home of Jesus. My heart is made for Jesus. My heart should be Christ's home. And for some here, Jesus is in your heart. People say, I invited Jesus into my heart. We know that's the seat of self. It's, it's who we really are. It's the essence of our morals and, and ethics. We've invited Jesus into our heart. There's literally been a heart transplant. Others here have not. And that's cool if you haven't. You need to know what's out there when you have this surgery. But let's, let's just talk about heart surgery. Let's talk about real heart surgery because when Dr. Laurie looked at me, and told me what to expect, what if I'd have said, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> Who are you? I know my heart. I feel fine, Dr. Laurie. I would have been a card-carrying idiot had I said that. How often in my own life have I said, God, I know what's best for me. I'm gonna follow my heart on this deal. No, 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 God. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna do what... I'm a card-carrying idiot. Well, let's don't be dumb about it, let's be smart. And I'm telling you something, the enemy does not want us to have this kind of surgery. So let's talk about this surgery. Four two-word prayers. Number one, here's the first two-word prayer, search me, search me. Now David wrote this, David was called a man after God's own heart. We're not sure he was either fleeing his son Absalom who was trying to take over the throne or he was running away from psycho Saul. The Bible says though in Psalm 139 verse 23, search me and know my heart. Let me say it again, only God knows our heart. We think we know ourselves, we do to a certain degree but we don't really know. When we pray this prayer regularly, and I'm going to, to share with you some devotionals that, that a team of us are writing. I'm gonna send them to you every day for the next 21 days. As we begin to pray this search me prayer, God will pinpoint stuff we never dreamed possible. For example, search me literally means to crack open, to dig deep, to cut. That's what it means. And David, man, this guy was bold. This guy was courageous, took out a lion and a bear, took out the big behemoth Goliath. But this has got to be one of his most courageous acts, this prayer, search me. Are you man enough, are you woman enough to pray that? I promise you, great, great things will happen. Painful things, but great things. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know how sinister sin is? Sin has the ability 
to hide itself from us. Sin has the ability to camouflage our depravity, our disease, and our debauchery. Only God can say, Ed, look at that. Hey, check that out. Wow, that's coming to the surface. And then we go, whoa. Then we confess it, which means we tell the truth about it before God. We have to know God's not gonna be surprised. God's not gonna go, oh, I had no idea. Oh, really? You have a blockage issue. Wow, flow is not happening. Arrhythmia, huh? Mitral valve, I didn't know that. No, 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 God knows. Yet we have to say, God, you know. Search me. Search me and know my heart. But, but Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God can. The biologists try so hard to talk about our heart problems, they can't do it. Anthropologists, pitiful. Psychologists, we love them, but they can't. They cannot wrap their little brains around the depravity of man. Geologists can't do it either. The issue in our world today is a heart issue. The problem with the heart is the heart of the problem. Look around our world today. Mankind left to his own devices, wow, will do some dark stuff. We have great potential for good when Jesus comes in, but just take a look. Well, the answer is education. Nazi Germany. Uh, the, 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 answer, the answer is, is um, uh, uh, behavioral modification. Look at our public school systems and look at so many of the glassy-eyed gurus who throw out advice. The, the, the issue is love. I mean, what? Love? Where does, it, where does it come from? We don't have a clue. We have a sin problem that can only be dealt with by the master surgeon. The surgeon is our savior. The scalpel is his word. The Bible says it cuts like a knife and the heart is my hope. Search me, dig deep. God, I don't wanna be a hypocrite. See, that's, that, that, that's the issue. We're, we're hypocrites many times toward people, but we're also hypocrites toward ourselves. And that's something that God will, will deal with. Okay, test me, that's another one, test me. Oh, I've had a lot of tests, I can tell you that. A bunch of them. And they all came out, oh, you got a problem with the valve, 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 a problem with the valve. God wants to test you and me. We have stress tests in life. How does God work? He tests us. How does God build character? He tests us. Maybe you have a problem with being impatient. He's gonna put you in situations that build your patience, and they're not gonna be easy. Maybe you have a problem with volatility. He's gonna put you in a situation to build self-control. Maybe you have an issue with being insecure. When someone does something well, that's a peer. It could be a mom, it could be a real estate tycoon, it could be a pastor, a teacher. Instead of saying, wow, that's awesome, what do we do? We rip them up to make ourselves feel better. It's a test 
a test, a test. This is not easy. God, perform a stress test on me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Again, this is talking about rebellious behavior. And then the third two-word prayer, see me. See me. Only God can really see what's in our lives. And see if there's any wicked way in me. This, this phrase, wicked way, is literally forced labor. What do we say in our world today? Oh, I'm just going to go with my heart. I'm going to follow my heart. I'm going to be free. So as we follow our heart in freedom, the thing we follow and we think it gives us freedom literally incarcerates us and we begin to work for it and it's forced labor. Some of us are in forced labor right now because of lust and pornography. You're working for it. Some of us are in forced labor because of greed. Some of us are in forced labor because of rebellion. We've rebelled against authority figures. We say, oh, well, I don't respect the person. Well, you don't have to. You might not ever have to respect the person, but you respect the position, God says. Forced labor. God says, life is too short. Life is too short to be a slave to sin. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in us. I love this last two-word prayer, lead me. Lead me. It says, and lead me in the way everlasting. If we just follow our heart, our heart will lead us to hell. Yet God wants to transform our hearts, give us new hearts, because there's a broad way and a narrow way, a high way and a low way. Are you going God's way? As you think about beginning school, maybe you're a junior high student, a high school student, a college student, which way are you going to go? Maybe you're starting a new venture at work. Maybe just maybe you realize, hey, I've been doing this, I've been doing that, and I've been following my heart in this dating relationship as opposed to allowing God to say, here's what I want for you. God, you lead me down your road, not mine. God's road is always better. God's way is always better than your way or my way. He's the master surgeon. Dr. Laurie didn't perform this surgery for himself. I'm sure the guy is, he's not worried about anything financially. You think he's like, oh, I've got to perform this surgery to make more money. He, he, he ain't worried about that. And here's, here's an aside. I think doctors should make tons of money. That's my opinion. I think teachers should too, and policemen and firemen, it's all another subject. But I just wanted to say that. So Dr. Lar is not worried like, like about, oh, he, he wants to help, and he wanted to help, and he has helped me. Jesus wants to help you and help me. He wants your heart and my heart. Again, the surgeon is our savior. 
Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, Jesus said, but the, say it with me, sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The scalpel is the scripture. Check this out. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's what? Scalpel. Cutting through everything, doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it. No matter what, when you run away from God, you'll run right into him. The heart is my hope. Ezekiel 36, 26, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. You don't want to miss next week because we're going to do this short film about heart surgery, probably like you've never heard before. And then I'm going to talk about part two of open heart. In my conversations, though, with Dr. Gerald Laurie, I was sitting there and, you know, we're talking and I was asking him, you know, about all the different people he performed surgery on. And he was mentioning, you know, he, he was mentioning all sorts of people from teachers to coaches, even nurses and doctors that work with him or other people who couldn't afford any of his help. And it's amazing. And then he said, you know, I've also operated on emperors and kings and queens and Barbara Bush and blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, I said, man, that's, that is truly amazing. He didn't volunteer that. I had to ask him that. And he, and he told me. And so I began to ask him, I said, well, Dr. Laurie, tell me about, I mean, just break down for someone like me, what happens when you go through an open heart surgery, like this mitral valve surgery? He said, well, for openers, he said, most people that do mitral valve don't do it properly. Wow. He said, so it's critical if you have this issue to find the right person to do it. And there's not a lot of people, he said, in the world that really know how to do it. And he's invented a lot of the protocol and a lot of the different techniques that, that people use in surgery, which I thought was interesting. Then he began to tell me about, you know, they open the chest and they open the rib cage and then they... They stopped the heart. He was telling me about all that and the stuff they put in. And, and then he told me something that freaked me out. He said, because your heart has been stopped and because air gets in it, he said, we took your heart and massaged it. He goes, I, I touched your heart and massaged it for five minutes to get the air out. And then we tested it and then closed you up, and you're on your way. Had I not massaged it, he said, you probably would have stroked out. He touched my heart. This master surgeon. There's only one surgeon who can touch your heart and mine. His name is Jesus. The master surgeon with the scalpel. Jesus is our only hope, our help. Have you given him your life? Have you said, Jesus, have your way with me? Maybe you've never ever prayed that prayer to give your heart to him. You can do it right now. 
maybe you've prayed the prayer before and you need to get serious about this heart patience prayer. Let God touch your heart, heart patient, because that's what an open heart is all about. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word that truly is like a scalpel. Thank you, Jesus, for being our great physician. Thank you for working on our heart, the essence of who we are, our morals, our intellect, our behavior. Yeah, we know ourselves, God, but we don't really know ourselves. And if you want to give your life to Christ, you can do it by simply saying, Jesus, come into my heart. You know what a heart is? I've defined it. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I just say this to yourself. I admit to you that I've messed up, that I've fallen short, that I've sinned and I turned from my sins. And I believe, God, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, to rise again. And right now, at this time, I give my heart to you. If you said that, when we conclude this prayer in just a couple of moments, I want you to take this, this little booklet I've written. It's in the seat back in front of you called Next Step. Take it and do that. Just like post-op work is important, the steps after you've had surgery, they're critical. This is critical as well. There's a block here, those of us, and I would fit in this category, We've given our hearts to Christ, but maybe, just maybe, we've allowed some issues, some, some things to enter our heart that we didn't really know were there. And maybe we've kind of been waving the symptoms off and it's time to get serious about this heart patient's prayer. So have your way with us, Lord. We give ourselves to you afresh and anew. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Would everybody look at me at all our different campuses? We're gonna do something different for our homework. It's very, very, very simple. Everyone take out your smartphone. Most people have a smartphone. Okay, take your smartphone out. This is gonna be easy. Go to the app store on your phone. Most of us can do that. Then search Fellowship Church. Fellowship Church, a bunch of fellows, a bunch of men and women rowing a ship together in the same direction. Fellowship. Fellowship Church. And then click on Fellowship Church and get download. Press get. So go to App Store, search Fellowship Church, press get. Here's what's going to happen. Over the next 21 days, and I have already been looking over this. In fact, I did it right before I walked out here. I'm gonna send you a five minute heart patient devotional as we study and as we go deep and dig deep in this series. Search me, test me, see me, lead me over the next 21 days. It's going to be awesome because that last part, 
lead me. God wants to lead you and lead me into an amazing space and place. We go through those first three aspects of the prayer. Then God begins to lead us in the business world. He begins to lead us in our friendships. If you're single, lead you in the right relationships. He leads us and leads us and leads us. Yet, we're never going to discover where God wants to lead us unless, first of all, we go through those steps of heart surgery. Just like they had, and they've had a a post-op regimen. For me, the same is true in God's economy as well. Well, I promised you that we're going to do a short film next weekend, and here's a, a little intro of what we're going to do next week. I'm here with Dr. Gerald Laurie, the number one, one of the number one heart surgeons in the world, definitely number one microvalve surgeon in the world. He was the one that did my surgery, and I'm telling you something, I have an interview with him that's going to be unbelievable. Dr. Laurie, thank you so much oh, for interviewing. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And thank out. you for the surgery. Oh, my <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> definitely. Dr. Gerald Laurie, you don't want to miss this. I think I had my arm around him the whole time because he saved my life. So next time, uh, and, and just, you know, it's really cool. Um, I want to show you just some uh, personal stuff, some emotional stuff about surgery and what happened there. So you don't want to miss this series, Open Heart. Hey, thank you so much for your heart. Thank you so much once again for your prayers, for the thoughts on social media. And uh, I feel great and look forward to just a great, great season. I believe our best days and my best days are ahead. Thank you. I love you. God bless.